right. Well, we are starting a new sermon series this morning, uh, just entitled The Church. And as a subtitle, I put Transforming Minds and Changing Lives. This is our mission here at Cornerstone Christian Church. And so what I was hoping to do is to find a way to communicate uh, a little bit back to the roots of what our mission is and what the church needs to look like in order to fulfill that mission. And so uh, I'm actually going to be using uh, a book by Francis Chan uh, by the name of uh, Letters to the Church uh, by Francis Chan. So if you want to write that down, you can look it up on Amazon, uh, get or uh, Christian book distributors, and maybe get that book to read along uh, with some of the thoughts uh, that I'll be pre preaching from the pulpit. Uh, but today our story is actually in Acts chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 this morning. Will you uh, begin with me in prayer? Father, I'm, uh, I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm grateful for this family of believers who have uh, placed their faith and their trust in you. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless this time as we gather together, that you'll bless uh, your word, that your spirit will move in such a way that we can understand clearly uh, what you have to teach us this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start together in Acts 5 and look at verse 1. It says, Now there was a man by the name of Ananias, and together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Now we read that, that phrase right there, also sold a piece of property, and we probably should stop and talk about why and what is going on here in today's text. In chapter 4, we read that all the believers, every single one of the believers, had such a sense of unity that they decided they would share their possessions with one another and help with anyone who had any kind of need. And Luke gives us the perfect example of that in Barnabas. Barnabas sold his field and he took all of the proceeds and he gave them to the apostles. We understand that to mean that he gave them to the apostles so they could distribute that, uh, distribute, uh, the, that money uh, to anyone who had any kind of need. Barnabas must have been one of the wealthy individuals in the church. And we also learn that he was a leader in the church because later when Saul comes along the scene, when Paul comes along the scene, it's Barnabas who is introducing him to the leadership there in Jerusalem. Now, I also pause here because chapter 4 is a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. You see unity. You see selflessness. You see grace, generosity. Notice there isn't a, a church location. There isn't a certain denomination. The church is just a reference to the individuals who gathered together in Jerusalem. They were unified, and they are the ones that made up the early church. But compare that story with the one I'm about to share you, with you. There was years ago I had an individual complain to me that there was a young person in attendance who was wearing a hat. Now, I grew up in the church, and I know you're not supposed to wear a hat in the church. Probably at that time in my early 20s, I, I really didn't 
understand why I didn't wear a hat. I just knew I wasn't supposed to. And I was taught that, that the place where you gather is sacred. And it's, it, maybe it's respectful to take your hat off. But this young person didn't know. They didn't know what was sacred. And they didn't know how to respond to the sacred. And as I was honestly thinking about that this week, I realized that maybe I didn't know what was sacred either. I think this morning we need to take a fresh look at what is sacred. There's a man by the name of Uzzah in the Bible. We find him in 2 Samuel chapter 5. David uh, was king during this time in 2 Samuel chapter 5. And he brought together all the young men of Israel, 30 thousand young men and they went to Bela in Judah to bring up the ark of God we're told which is called by the name the name of the Lord Almighty amen let me read on the the set they set the ark of God on a new cart and they brought it from the house of Abinadab which was on a hill and Uzzah the son of Ohio, not Ohio, sons of Abinadab were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. Ohio was walking in front of it. And listen what the scripture tells us. David and all of Israel, 30,000, picture in your mind, 30,000, they were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord. We are told in the scripture that there were castanets, there were harps, there were lyres, there was timbrels, there were sistrums, there were cymbals. And they came to this threshing floor of naked. And Uzzah, he reached out and he took hold of the ark of God because the ox had stumbled. And we're told in this passage that the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of this irreverent act. And therefore, God struck him down, and he died right there by the ark of God. Whew. Did you picture that scene? 30,000. None of this. I mean, they were celebrating with all their might. They're, they're excited. Have you ever been a parade and just was like, ugh. When's this parade going to end? We're talking a great parade. We're talking about a great time of worship. And then, boom, out of nowhere, that ox just stumbles enough to make the cart turn, and that ark starts to fall out. And we see what we think might be kind of the respectful thing to do. This is the ark of God. You don't want that thing crashing on the ground. He reaches out his hand. He catches it. And the scripture tells us that that was irreverent. But what the story doesn't tell you directly, we are told indirectly. Because the ark of God should never have been on a cart. The ark was meant to be carried with poles and by all the priests up off the ground, up off of the cart. 
Azusa's irreverence started when he put it on that nasty old card. He took what was sacred and he desecrated it. Let's read on to learn a little bit more about what is sacred. In chapter 5 and verse 2 of Acts, we know that Ananias and Sapphira, they sold their piece of property. They also sold. It connects us to the story of Barnabas. But listen, in verse 2 it says, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. And he brought the rest of it and he put it at the disciples' feet, at the apostles' feet. His actions here, they're premeditated, right? They're very intentional. We see that. And I'm sure that they saw Barnabas take that which he had sacrificed and the praise that he received when he donated that to the poor. The story must have been so popular that that Luke and Acts needed to just give you a picture wanted to give you an example of what it meant to be selfless and generous, gracious. So he pictured Barnabas. And I'm sure the early church thought, oh yes, Barnabas, I remember Barnabas. He was so sacrificial. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira, maybe they wanted that praise. Maybe they wanted to be remembered. Maybe their property was bigger. Maybe this was a bigger gift in their eyes. We don't know. Maybe they even wanted to climb the ladder of success. But what we see is that this couple wanted to look sacrificial without sacrificing. They wanted to look selfless, but keep something for themselves. They wanted to look generous without giving generously. One of the things that struck me crazy about the story of David bringing the ark to Jerusalem was the atmosphere of the parade. David and Uzzah were leading this parade of worship. The text says that they were celebrating with all of their might. The instruments, the emotion of the affair, the excitement. They thought they were doing everything right. And it just stops. Everything looked good on the outside. You've got this great worship and all these people unified. And they all thought they were doing it right but it seems they also kind of rushed the sacred. Francis Chan says, we pray, hallowed be thy name, but then we jump into prayer, don't we? We pray, hallowed be thy name, but we rush into those requests, don't we? We have those opinions and those demands that we jump. And maybe David and Uzzah disrespected the sacred in the same way that Ananias and Sapphira did. Let's look a little bit deeper into this passage in Acts 5. 
Then Peter looked at Ananias and said, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself something that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What, what made you think of doing such a thing? You haven't lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all that heard what had happened. And the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and he carried him out and they buried him. And about three hours later, Sapphira comes. She didn't know what happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? And she said, yeah, this is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her father or her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Do you see the parallel? We have all this unity. All this worship, all this emotion. But something sacred was desecrated. And let's be clear about this story. Peter didn't kill Ananias and Sapphira. In fact, some commentators suggest that Ananias died of shock, but I don't think so. I think this was a holy act by a holy God. Like Uzzah, Ananias and Sapphira desecrated the sacred. King David, in fact, freaked out. He abandoned the ark of God at Abinadab's house. And likewise, the church freaked out, right? They were gripped with fear. So we need to dig deeper. What is it? What is it that was sacred? What do we need to be careful of, church, so that we don't desecrate the sacred? Now, in the case of Uzzah, the sacred was not the ark itself. Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt, and God gave Moses special plans for the ark, where it was going in the tent where Israel came to worship God. Now, the place where that ark was placed was called the Holy of Holies, which quite honestly in Hebrew could have been translated the sacred of sacredness. But sacredness isn't a word, so it's holy of holies, right? That room became sacred because God's presence rested there. Follow me, church. It was sacred. It was holy because God's presence rested there. It wasn't because of the items in the room. It's God's presence that's sacred. Their worship, even though it was done with all of their might, even it, though it was done in perfect sound and with so much emotion, was done in a way that disrespected the presence.
presence of God. And Uzzah's death, therefore, became a warning to everyone to respect the sacred presence of God. Church, I don't care how good our music is, and I don't care how good our preaching is. God's presence isn't here. What's the point? Therefore, you can look around at the church the day Ananias and Sapphira offered their offering in worship. It was worship. It was beautiful. It was emotional. Everybody was worshiping God in unity and with all of their mights. Look again in Acts 4.32. Everyone was in one heart and one mind. God's presence, God's spirit was within their midst. Everyone at that point had respected the sacred except for Ananias and Sapphira. And what does Peter say to him? He says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek word for Holy Spirit is pneumaton agion. And throughout the New Testament, we translate that as the Holy Spirit. But agion is also another word for, you guessed it, the sacred. The Holy Spirit is the sacred spirit. And what makes the sacred spirit sacred? It's because the Holy Spirit is God's presence living within us. And it's sacred. God's presence is in this room right now. It's not this building. It's not even this communion table, as beautiful as it is. It's his presence among us. That is sacred. The sacred is the gathering community. I mean, take that concept. The sacred is the gathering community. Take that concept and apply it to the New Testament letters. Paul addressed the Corinthians, right, on desecrating the sacred. They were taking the Lord's Supper, which we see as sacred, and we can see it as sacred, but what they desecrated was not the emblems, it was not the bread, it was not the wine, it was the sacred gathering of the community. They formed this potluck where the rich got fat and the poor left hungry, amen? The rich were self-indulgent and the poor were hungry and they desecrated the sacred gathering of the community. In John's letter, 1 John, he said that you cannot claim to love God and hate your brother. There is a sacredness in community. John says that makes you a liar. Peter calls it, what's he call it? In 1 Peter, he calls it a sacred nation, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, a royal priesthood. You are not a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood, amen? And we are made a royal priesthood because God's presence rests on us. He's making a claim to the sacredness of a gathering community where God's presence resides. And when a church makes this gathering about butts in the pews and budgets, we are desecrating the 
Holy Spirit that lives among us. I want you here, not so we can add to our numbers, but because us gathering right now is sacred. God is holy among us, and it's good. So let me bring this home to Cornerstone Christian Church. You want to be part of our mission here? You want to be part of transforming minds and changing lives? Well, we believe that God has called this community to do that, real transformation. But in order to do that, we as a community must respect the sacred. I don't care if the worship is done well. I don't care if the preaching is on point. Does God's presence reside in this community? Do you believe that the church, the community of faith, is sacred? And I do. I do. I believe that this is sacred. And if we desecrate that, we not only disrespect God, but people who need to know this holy God, they're not going to see him. They're going to see us. And when we gather together, I want people to see God. I want God's presence to be felt and seen through our actions with each other in unity. It's impossible, I'm going to tell you that right now. Because <laughs> we're broken people, right? We're broken people. I mean, we're celebrating Mother's Day, right? And many of you here today are broken mothers, right? Some of you haven't been able to be, be a mom. Some of you have had your children taken from you. There's brokenness in community. But what fixes that? What makes it work? Ah, communion. It's when Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood, that he made this all pure, that he made it all sacred even in our perfections, imperfections. God made it sacred through his broken body and his blood shed. So as a community, can we sing in unison? Can we pray in unison and in sacred unity remember Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge this morning that it is through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are given new life. We acknowledge that your power rests among us, that your Spirit is at work right now on each one of our hearts. Continue that work, dear Lord. Make us more like you as a church and as individuals. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.